149. Let's stand together. 149. Let's think it good and strong this morning. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow.
that's why we're here this morning, because Jesus lives. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that I serve a risen Savior. I'm so thankful that I don't serve some statue or, or some man whose bones are in a grave somewhere. My Lord is risen and my Lord lives. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful and I'm saved today because of that fact. Amen. I ain't got nothing to do with it. He did it all. Praise God. And I hope and pray that's the same case with you, and you know that for sure this morning. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm glad to see you. Glad so many of you decided to come out and meet with us this morning. And uh, we're going to take a prayer request first, and then we're going to take up an offering. So if you got prayer requests this morning, hold your hand up this morning, and let's get to you. And yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Somebody else this morning. Prayer request. Yes. Okay, all right. We'll pray for you. <laughs> we'll pray for you that they that that's successful. Amen. Uh, y'all remember to pray for my little girl. She's sick this morning. She was throwing up this morning before I left to come to church. So the reason they're not here today and they wanted to be in the house of the Lord today. She was she was very upset she didn't get to come to church today. Um, any others we need to remember in prayer? Yes, doing that, Cindy. Twenty fourth of this month. Okay. Let's lift her up in prayer as well. Pray that's successful. Uh, thank thank God Miss Nell's here with us this morning. We're so glad. We'll praise the Lord that she's here with us this morning and able to get around. Amen. We want to praise God, Miss Joanne, even though she looked like she hit by a truck. She's here this morning. And I didn't tell her she had to play the piano. I done said that. I tried my best to keep her away. But you can't keep you can't keep her away from that piano. And we won't we won't get upset about it. We'll just praise God. Y'all just we're just gonna praise God she's doing well as she is. Amen. And it's, it's certainly good to have Scott here this morning. Glad he's able to be with us. I'm thankful God got everybody back here this morning. Yes. Brenda Smith. All right. Brenda Simmons, I'm sorry. Brenda Simmons. Yes, let's lift her up in prayer. Good to see y'all this morning. Amen. Good to be here. Praise God. Anybody, any more prayer requests this morning? I know we probably have some unspoken prayer requests as well, but uh, it's good to have so many folks in church this morning. Amen. That makes me happy. I'm going to do a cartwheel. Hallelujah. I probably won't, but anyway, I want to. On the inside, I do want on the inside. All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and ask God to meet with all his requests and and, uh, be merciful and show mercy and, and and let's ask him to bless the offering as well. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Oh, 
Y'all find number 152. Number 152. 
Walk with me and talk with me along my narrow way. 
Let's, I tell you what, let's do. Let's back up to the first because it's been two weeks since we were here. Let's just read from verse one. He said, And I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech, nor or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified, or except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. He wanted to make sure he preached it right. He wanted to make sure he got the message through to them. And my speech and my preaching was not within passing words of man's wisdom. We need to remember that. We talked about that last time, but it's not. It wasn't. He wasn't trying to convince them with worldly wisdom. He wasn't trying to, uh, to convince them by uh, authoritative words from leaders in the world. He said, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God.
Amen. Philippians 3, Philippians 3, verse 12, Paul said, not as though I had already attained, even even already perfect. Here he's saying, I'm not full grown yet. He said, but I follow after. In other words, that's my goal, is growing up in the Lord, is being mature in the Lord. That's my goal, amen. He said, I'm not there yet, but I'm wanting to get there. He said, if that I may apprehend that, which also I am apprehended in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means I want to get a hold of him like he's got a hold of me. I want to apprehend means he caught somebody, right? I want to catch Jesus like he's caught me, amen? That's what he's saying there, amen? He said, let us therefore as many of us be perfect. Be thus minded. If you're grown up in the Lord, think like this. And if any of you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this even unto you. The apostle Paul knew he wasn't a finished product, amen? He still had some maturing to do. He knew it. And he wasn't ashamed to admit it. Amen? Don't be ashamed to admit that you ain't figuring out everything in this Bible. Don't be ashamed to admit you still got room to grow. Because when you admit you have room to grow, then you can grow. If you think you got it all, then you're not interested in learning. Amen? He wanted to get, again, he wanted to get a hold of what? Jesus, the way Jesus got a hold of him. Why? Because maturity is gained. The more time he spent with Jesus, the more he would know Jesus. The more time you spend with your spouse, the more you know your spouse. The more time you spend with your children, the more you find out about your children, right? Well, the same thing works with God. The more time you spend in the Bible, the more time you spend on your knees in prayer, and the more time you spend going through things with God, the more you learn about God, and the more you begin to trust God and lean on God, and the more grown up you become, and the more others can turn to you for help because you know God. Amen? So, you know, if you start a brand new job somewhere, you think about this. You start a brand new job, and it's doing things you've never done before. You weren't trying to do this. So you take a job at a factory. One of you fellas in here took a job at a factory, and it contains machinery and language that you ain't never heard or seen before in your life. You know what you're going to do? You can feel a little lost. Until you begin to learn what these terms mean, which might be life or death, you don't know the terms. You need to go learn these breaks. It's important. So what are you for doing this situation? Usually they'll take an experienced employee, one who knows what to watch out for, and they'll pair them with that new employee and train them so that they know how to do the job right. Right? But you know God works the same way. When you get saved, you're brand new. You don't know a thing about the Christian life. And so God puts his spirit in you. He puts his own spirit within you, in your spirit. The moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God moves in you, and he lives in you. What does he do while he's in there? Well, he teaches you. He trains you. He, he, He helps you to understand the will of God. He comforts you. He does all those things. And we'll we'll look at those things here in a minute, what what all he does, but but Again, God wants us to grow up. Verse 7. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Okay? Now, again, verse 6, he said, Howbeit we speak wisdom not among uh, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or full grown, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world. So again, not what comes down from from the government, and not what people on the street are saying. He said, We're we're speaking the wisdom of God. He said, because all that other talk comes to nothing. 
But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Well, what in the world are we talking about there? He said, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the, before the world unto our glory. What does that mean? Again, mysteries, we're talking about things that weren't revealed in the Old Testament. Things that, that were only revealed with Christ. Right, there, there are seven mysteries we could look at this morning. And maybe we will another time. We ain't got time to look at all that this morning because time's short. But we're going to look at a couple of them just so you understand what these wisdom, these mysteries are that, that, that God was speaking and that Paul's speaking. He's talking about one mystery, which is the body of Christ. Understand, before before Jesus died on the cross and was risen from grave, and the church and the church was established, there was no such thing as the body of Christ as we know it today. Church is the body, and until the church was instituted, that. There was nothing down here on earth walking around called the body of Christ. When Jesus went to heaven, again, he, he left. He went back to heaven. But he left us here, and we represent his body to the world. We are the body of Christ. Amen. Again, he's not here, but he left us how to continue his ministry. We are the body of Christ. You understand what I'm saying there? All right. Colossians 1, 23-27, it says, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached unto, to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, have made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. He said, I'm suffering for Christ. Amen. Verse 25, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery, which have now have been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints, to whom, the, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That mystery. in the mystery of Christ, 
which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Again, the Old Testament, they didn't know that. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles, that's us, should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That means everything that God promised to the Jew is available to the Gentiles. Amen. God opened up salvation wide open to you and I. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm so grateful today that Jesus did not come just to the house of Israel and nobody else or all else be healed by them. There'd be no hope. Thank God salvation was open to the Gentiles. Hallelujah. So, now Paul is going to reveal another mystery. In verse 2, Paul said, Paul said, For I determined not to know anything among you except Christ, save Christ and him crucified. Right? And we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. But the devil did not understand that the cross would not be the end of Jesus. He thought he was dead. Jesus, he tried to kill Jesus so many times. He tried to have people run him off the cliff. He tried to have, he tried to have Satan talk him into throwing himself down off the temple. He, I mean, he tried to kill him over and over and over and over again. And then he saw him, he was going to the cross. He said, oh, God, I got him now. I got him. I got him. Messed up there, didn't he? See, Satan's in control of the religious leaders of this world. He was in control of all the high priests in Israel. He was in control. He's, again, he's in control of the big shot, big wig leaders of religion in this world today. Believe me, Satan is in control of. It. He's in control of the governmental leaders of the world as well. He was in that day, and he is in this day. All you got to do is watch the news. You'll see devil's fingerprints everywhere. <clears throat> and, and look here, there's no way in the world that these people would have got together and put Jesus to death if they had had any idea of the power of his resurrection, if they had any idea that the gates of salvation would be open, they would have never done it. They would have never, ever put him to death. The biggest gotcha in the history of the world was played on the devil by God. Amen? He got him. Amen? Hallelujah. He, he thought he had Jesus right where he wanted him to be. Man, I got him now. They're going to kill him. Yeah, but y'all know what happened. He died, but he laid his own life down. They didn't kill him. He bled more than any man's ever bled in the history of the world, and he didn't die until he got ready to. And the Bible says, which none of the princes of this world knew. Again, Pilate, he looked at him and he said, what is true? He, he, didn't, he didn't know he was the Messiah. He heard him, but he didn't hear him. You know, he, he went in one ear and out the other. He said, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Again, the devil wouldn't have done it if he had known it would have been his worst mistake. He would have never done that. And Peter speaks on this mystery a little bit in First Peter. In, in chapter 1, verse 10 through 12, it says, Of what salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Now, the Old Testament prophets, they tried to understand it, but again, again, it was hidden from them. But prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify. So the Spirit of God was leading them to write these things, but they, but He wasn't telling them when all these things were going to take place. They were just there to write it down. They didn't know. They didn't know what it meant. 
when it testified, the Spirit of God testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ. And listen, you find that over in, uh, in, uh, in Psalm 22. You read all about the sufferings of Christ there. And, and again, they, they didn't know what they were writing. They didn't understand. Uh, and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported on, on, unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, the angels desire to look into. You ever thought about how angels look at salvation? See, the angels in heaven, they didn't understand God's plan. In the beginning, they didn't, I mean, they, they, didn't, they didn't get what was going on. I mean, you know, I mean, they, 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 they watched, but they didn't understand it. Yet, yet they were obedient to God even though they didn't understand it. You see, but God had a plan before he ever made this world. The Bible tells us that in Revelation 13, 8, John calls Jesus the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That's back before he made it. Amen? That's back before, from or before the foundation. And, and, and when, they, when they, they saw these things taking place, you know, they, they saw Jesus. They saw the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary, and they saw her conceive, and they, they saw that belly bump begin to grow in her, and then they, they saw him being born. It didn't make sense to them. Why? Why would he go in here? Why would he go down there? That doesn't make sense. Why would he go down there and have to live a hard life? That doesn't make sense. And they watched him, and they watched people reject him. And, and I know they had to scratch their heads and say, why won't they believe he is who he says he is? Why won't they believe his message? And then they saw him being crucified. And I know they looked at him and was shocked and said, they're killing him. He's dying on the cross. This doesn't make sense. They're coming and they put him in that grave and they're watching. But on that third and appointed day, hallelujah, when the stone rolled back and Jesus stepped out into the light. Well, he actually was dark. But he didn't step out Sunday morning. He stepped out late, late, late Saturday. Amen. You got to understand Jewish time, Roman time, world Roman time. Jewish time starts. The day starts six o'clock in the evening. Okay, you, you got to understand that. That's how. And angels saw that stone roll back. Jesus walked out. Wow, he's alive! Oh, it makes sense now. Oh, he's triumphant, and they welcomed him home to heaven. Oh, they understand now, but then they, they were trying to figure it out. I mean, again, they watched him die of human death on the cross, and they watched as the universe went black because it did. They watched as the earth began to shake, and they watched as they buried him. And, they, and again, all those things didn't make sense, but it did when he came out of that grave. Hallelujah. And even though they didn't understand, here's what I want you to get. Even though they didn't understand, they were still obedient to God. They didn't have to understand everything to be obedient to God, and neither do you. Neither do you. It, it would sure be good if God's children were obedient to him, to, to God, even when they didn't understand him, when things didn't make sense. Just go ahead and trust God. Just go ahead and trust God. You can't see a way, but God can make a way where there is no way. Because you know what? God doesn't make mistakes. God has never had one single uh-oh moment, ever. God's plans don't change. Again, Jesus has always been the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Verse 9, i got to hurry. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. 
Verse 9 here is a translation of a verse in Isaiah 64, verse 4. That's what he's quoting. Paul's quoting that. In verse 60, chapter 64, verse 4 says, For since the beginning of the world men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither has the eye seen, O God, beside thee what he hath prepared for them that waiteth for him. You may say, well, that's different. Well, God wrote both of them, so he can say it different in one place than the other if he wants to. One was in Hebrew and the other's in Koine Greek, so that may be why the rendering is different. But it's not wrong. God's the one that said both of them. So, but unfortunately, myself and thousands of other preachers and pastors have preached that verse wrong and out of context many, many times. And I'll tell you why. This verse is not referring to heaven. We, we, I, I've, I've said it before. You've heard me say it before. I have not seen we when we're talking about heaven. But again, I, I figured out last night, you know what, I'm wrong. And, and let that be a lesson. The preacher will admit when he's wrong. Amen. And we all need to admit when we're wrong. Amen. But I'll tell you why I'm, I'm wrong on this. Because it says, I have not seen their ear heard, neither hath entered into the hearts of man the things that, that God hath prepared for them that love him. Okay? Well, Paul, Paul uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4, describes what happened when he was stoned in Lystra. He said, it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now listen, he said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. You look back a little past 14 years, you see he's in Lystra. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. He was dead. That's why he can't tell. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. Amen. He was. Hey, listen, the first heaven, again, that's right up above us. The second heaven, that's, that's up there where the stars are. The third heaven, that's where God is. So I, he said he was caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. How he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Paul saw third heaven. Paul heard things in the third heaven, and those things entered into his heart. He just wasn't allowed to come back and tell nobody about it. So you can't say that verse means heaven because, again, Paul saw all those things. And, and, and so that's how we know verse 9 is not speaking about heaven. And besides that, John, John in 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know. What do we know about heaven, John? We know when he shall appear, that's Jesus, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We, can't, we don't know all about heaven, but we know this. We'll, be, we'll have a body just like he is. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. We sang that song this morning, and that's written about this verse, face to face with Christ my Savior. For now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. He said right now I can't see it. But I will see it. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, right now it's like trying to look through a, through a darkened glass. I can only see things, shapes. I can't see the real whole picture. But I can see some, but not all of it. This verse is referring not, not to heaven. What is it referring to? It's referring to the things that God will reveal to the believer here on earth as he gets closer to the Lord through his study of the Word of God. I have not seen or ever heard, neither have entered into the things, to the hearts of men, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. I love him. Do you love him? He's got some things prepared for you that you never thought of, you never seen or heard. Amen. You know where it is? It's in this book. Amen. Again, the Old Testament prophets had no understanding of grace like we understand it now. We understand that better than they ever did. <laughs> they had no understanding 
of an indwelling Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them, but he never came in to stay like, like he does with us. I mean, he, he, was, he, he was there and gone. Uh, they had no concept of New Testament doctrine, the tribulation. They, I mean, it was in the book, but they didn't understand it. The rapture, they, they prophesied about it, but they didn't understand it. Why? Because it was a mystery. Verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. What? Those things. The things that no man has seen, ear heard, all those things. God hath revealed those things to us by his Spirit. Who? The Spirit of God that moved in lives in us. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. The Spirit of God, who is he? He's the third person of the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is the mind of God. He knows God. He is God. And he lives in me. He lives in you, if you say. Amen? And he search, He searches the deep things of God. So if you want to know what you've got, the Spirit of God living inside of you to teach you. And I take you back to verse 6 with this thought. But God reveals mysteries to his church in order for us to mature and to be grown or perfect, as the, as the Scripture puts it. That's why he wants to reveal this, so that we grow up. The Spirit of God lives in each Christian, and he's there to teach us the things of God. But so many believers who are young in their faith, listen to me now, you first get saved, you're young in your faith, and you make the mistake of trying to get to know God and his word without asking for the help of the Holy Spirit. It don't work that way. You will not learn unless you ask God to help you. And God, the Holy Spirit, is the one who's there to help you and guide you. The whole reason for him being in this world is to comfort, to empower, to guide, and to assist believers in doing God's will. That's why the Holy Spirit's here. Again, he's not here to make Pentecostals bark like dogs roll in the floor and shake, okay? That is not what God does. And if anybody told you that, they told you a story. And I'll cover that in a few chapters. But, but hear me. God, the Holy Spirit, is here to teach you the things of God. He's here to help you. He's here to guide you into being a minister for Christ. Uh, he's God. He, and again, and, and part of his role is to teach you things that you could never learn on your own. Amen. Verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man? We're going to this Wednesday night. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now, let me make sense of that. Okay? Nobody knows what it's like to be you except for you. As much as, as, much as everybody in here would like to be close to you and be friends with you and help you, they can't know what it's like to be you. Only you know that because you're you and nobody else. And nobody knows what it's like to be God except for God. Amen? So God has put his spirit in those who have believed on Christ to bridge that gap. Again, I, I don't know what it's like to be God, and, but the spirit of God does, so he communicates the truth from God to me. Amen? That, that's, that's how God does it. That's how God, again, we read the Word of God, and the Spirit of God, our teacher, teaches us the things of God and helps us to understand and helps us to know these things and retain these things so that we're able to communicate these truths to other people and help them as well. Verse 12, 
Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. These truths are not mysteries anymore, amen? We, we, we can understand these things. And again, we'll get into that and we'll talk about the rest of these mysteries at another time. But the spirit which is of God. Now you ever see, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, amen? The spirit of God wants us to learn and to mature. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Why do we know these things? For our own self and for others. Again. You need to get to know God so that you can be a minister to help other people. And I don't mean a pastor when I say a minister. I don't mean that you're to have your own church. I mean you are to minister. Minister means to help, to aid. And you are to minister or help or aid other people in coming to know Jesus, coming into a relationship with God, bringing souls into the family of God. That's our point of living beyond our salvation. It should, you know, why won't we just get saved? right to heaven. Wouldn't that be awesome? The moment we got saved, zap, right to heaven. Just like, beat me up, Scotty. I'm ready to go. Right? No, it don't work that way. God has a purpose for you. God has a, a, a mission, a ministry he wants you to fulfill down here on this earth. Verse 13. Okay, he said these things, the Spirit of God has is, is given us He's given us his spirit that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, he said, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. Now, remember everything that God does, the devil tries to counterfeit it. He's a big phony. He's the big imitator. He tries, he, listen, he wants to be God. Y'all realize that, right? So he tries to imitate God. So just as there are mysteries associated with God, guess what? The devil's got some mysteries. Yeah. Y'all ever heard of the Mason's Lodge? Yeah. Y'all ever heard of the part of the Illuminati? Those are mysteries. Seriously, look at my eyes, something real. That's because you don't know they're mysteries. But believe you me, there are plenty of things like that out there. There are plenty of secret knowledge societies out there that are trying to rule the world, trying to, trying to bring about the new world order. Oh, believe you me, there's tons of it. And if you go down that rabbit hole, it'll drive you almost crazy when you realize how much the devil has done. It really will overwhelm you if you're a young believer. I, I, I really say don't delve off into that unless you're strong in your faith. But... But man has lots of wisdom. I mean, listen, I mean, man has tons of wisdom, but it's not godly wisdom. It's wickedness. Let me, let me just kind of bring you around to where we are right now this moment today. After God destroyed the world with a flood, why? Because the world was incredibly wicked, and there was only one family left that God made to spare, which was Noah and his children. And they put them on that ark with two of each kind of the animals, and, and, and that ark was a picture of Jesus Christ, if you, if you didn't know that. It's a picture of salvation in Christ. God shut the door. Man didn't shut the door. Uh, that vessel represents Christ saving Noah and his family. And it was only a couple generations after Noah uh, and after they landed, uh, the ark landed and they got out and started living and reproducing. It was only a couple generations before the people became very wicked all over again. And they began to serve gods that they invented and they began to teach mysteries create these ideas, these, these stories about these false gods. 
uh, a fellow by the name of Nimrod and his wife Semiramis and the child that they had by the name of Tammuz, and, and, and they, they considered themselves gods, and the people began to worship them, and God divided the languages and, and sent them uh, in all different directions, and they carried their false religion into all the world. And these, again, these mysteries, uh, they, they were in Babylon or uh, Chaldea. I mean, uh, that, that's where Abraham came out from, out from that wickedness. God separated him out and created the nation of Israel. But those, those, those Canaanite deities, those, those uh, deities from back in Babylon, these false gods, they brought that after Alexander, Alexander the Great conquered Babylon. All that stuff moved to Pergamos. You find that in the Bible there in Revelation 2, 13 and 12 and 13. It says, and Jesus said this, to the angel of the church at Pergamos, right? These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with the two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. Where Satan's seat is. It's where his headquarters are in Pergamos. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr. Antipas died because of his faith there in holiness. He was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. Now, those mysteries moved to Pergamus. Well, I taught on this in Sunday school a while back, but the Pope, the Roman Catholic Pope and the Roman Catholic Church were born out of those mysteries from Babylon. Okay? It's concoction of paganism and Christianity, and it's deadly as can be. I hate to break this to you this morning, but Easter comes from those Babylonian mysteries. It comes from it comes from the ancient worship of Ishtar. Ishtar Easter. That's the same word, it's just a different pronunciation. Now, again, we worship Christ. We don't worship Ishtar. We don't worship I'm not here to celebrate Easter this morning. I'm not here to talk about bunny rabbits and Easter eggs, amen? I'm here to talk about Jesus and an empty tomb, amen? Uh, I, don't get, I didn't get saved with no bunny rabbit. I didn't get saved with no Easter bunny, no Easter eggs, amen? I, 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 don't, I don't fool with that stuff. And somebody might say, well, well preacher, well, why, you know, why do so many people celebrate Easter then and, and find no harm in it if there's something wrong with it? Why do churches celebrate it? Well... The truth of it is most of them do it in ignorance because they don't know any better. Amen? You know, that's one thing to not know any better. But, and, and most people have no idea of the pagan background behind the bunny rabbits. They have, no, they have no idea about the pagan background and the horrific background behind the dyed eggs. As a matter of fact, if you knew the true story, you'd probably shudder if you really knew what those eggs were all about. It's about sacrificing children. Because those Canaanite deities were all about sacrificing babies. Easter's all about impregnating women to give, give birth to sacrifice. That's Easter. That's the spring equinox. This is not the resurrection. You see, they, they get it mixed up. The world mixes it up. The world tries to blend it all together and make it a big commercial success so we can get rich off of it. But the truth of it is, you're trying to mix the holy and the profane together. Amen? Now you know. I mean, you've got to do something with what you know, and, and it's up to you to do what you want to with that knowledge. But the sad truth is most people just turn a blind eye. The reality is most, the majority of people in churches today, the majority, not all, but the majority of people in churches today are probably not saved at all because they don't, they don't understand 
They don't understand the reality of what Jesus has truly done for them. Many, many people are playing religion and haven't had an experience of grace. I hope you have. And I hope I'm not talking to our church this morning, but I know there are a lot of people out there who play religion, and they have no idea why they even go. It's tradition. That's why they go, and that's all they have. But praise God. Praise God. We're not in that shape. Hopefully you're not in that shape either. Verse 14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So you'll never understand God. You'll never understand his ways until you come for the forgiveness of sin and get washed in the blood of the Lamb. Until until you're his, you'll never understand what he's trying to do. And the world looks at us as foolish because they don't understand why we follow Christ. They don't understand why we believe this book, why we come to this, this house of prayer. They don't understand why. They look at Christianity as foolishness. It's because they don't know where they're headed, and we do. Amen? And if they knew where they were headed, they'd say we're not fools at all. They'd get on board, but they, but they can't see it because they're looking through sinful eyes, and they won't listen to God. They won't let the Spirit of God reveal to them they're sinful and need to be born again. But the Bible says in verse 15, but he that is spiritual, he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. I know that sounds funny to you. I'll to you what I just read to you. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. You say, well, I've heard all my life, judge not, judge not, judge not. Well, that's because the world does you that. The world knows that one verse, they only know half of it, because it says judge not that you be not judged. Amen? Let me, let me explain to you real quick before we go to the house. He that is spiritual judges on all things. That's what the Bible tells us. So, <clears throat> and what I quote to you earlier, I'm saying, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed through that. The whole, all things have become new. Listen, we're, I'm a spiritual being in human flesh. You're a spiritual being in The day that I got saved, November 1st, 1975, that night, about 9 o'clock at night, the Spirit of God moved into me when I when I trusted Christ as a Savior. And he, he never lived. He's in me. And he brought my spirit to life. My spirit was dead. You know, take a, take a football. Football is three parts. It's like a human's three parts. Okay? You say, what do you mean three parts? Well, there's the outside of the football, which is the leather, thick skin. Then inside that leather pigskin, there's a rubber bladder, and inside that rubber bladder, there's air. Okay? So you can look at that pigskin outside as the body of a human being. And then the inside of that body is the soul, which is that rubber bladder. But inside of that soul, what keeps it inflated? That's, that's the spirit. That's, that picture is the spirit of a man. So until, until a person is saved, they're like a flat football with no air in it. They got no spirit on them. They're dead on them. Okay? But once a person gets saved, amen, once a person gets saved, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, himself moves in to live in our spirit, which he brings to life. And God God himself lives in us. And so God says, hey, he that is spiritual, that's what he means, he that has the Spirit of God moving inside of him, Judges all things. Why? Because the mind of God is able to judge all things. 
Listen, he's not saying he that is spiritual judges everything according to his natural mind. No, he's saying he that is spiritual judges things according to the word of God, according to God's will, not his own. So therefore, he, he can judge anything because God is the one who gives him the judgment. Yet he himself is judged of no man. Listen, ain't no man can judge me, and no man can judge you if you're saved. Amen? Listen, because you stand before one judge, and that's, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And you know what? Hey, you know what he's going to say? Hey, listen, he's going to say you're clean, because you watched it this way. Amen? Hallelujah. Yet he himself is judged of no man. Romans 8, 6 says, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Again, we judge according to the Bible, not according to worldly wisdom. Colossians 3, 3 says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Again, I died November 1st, 1975, and God came to live in me. And since that day, I'm not the same person anymore. Hallelujah. And lastly, verse 16, and we'll be doing For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. The mind of Christ lives in us, amen, because we're saved. Philippians 2, 2, 2 through 5 says, Fulfill ye my joy, Paul said, that ye be like-minded. Again, the only way we can be like-minded is if we all have the mind of Christ and if we're all getting our, getting our truth in the same place. But once, if we're like-minded, the Bible says having the same love. We'll have the same goal. We'll have the same thing we're going for. We're trying, we're trying to love people for Jesus' sake. Amen. And we all love the same, the same Savior. Amen. We all, we all have the same love for God, being of one accord. Again, we're all in agreement in one mind. Why? Because we're all headed to the same place. We all got the same salvation, and we're all on the same mission. Amen. We're, we're, we're God's army, God's soldiers. We're to be working as a company together for a goal and a purpose. He says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. In other words, let's stay humble, not arguing and fighting, but in holiness and lowliness of mind. Let each, let each esteem the other better than themselves. In other words, putting others first before yourselves. That's having the mind of Christ. Look not every man on, the things, on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We're to be looking out taking care of our brother around us, our sisters around us. And he says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. That's how Jesus was, and that's how you ought to be. That's how I ought to be. The mind of Christ is the mind of God. He is God. Christ is God. He's, he's the principal messenger and the prophet of God. Amen? Listen, the apostles were empowered by his spirit to make known his mind to us. And the scriptures, and in the scriptures, the mind of Christ and the mind of God in Christ are fully revealed to me and you. There's no, there's no denying. All you got to do is open the Bible. If you want to know what God thinks, open the Bible. If you want to know what God wants you to do, open the Bible. Read it. What a great privilege it is for you and I that we have the mind of Christ revealed to us by the Spirit of God in the Holy Scriptures. Amen? I thank God that, that God is not stingy. God is so generous. God is so loving. God wants you to know him. Amen? He wants, listen to me, I'm closing. I want, I want to tell you this morning. God God wants you to know him on a deeper level than you ever had. You may be satisfied. You may think, oh, I've gone far enough in my, in my learning who God is and, and growing in, in my relationship with him. But no, God wants it to be deeper than that. 
God, God urging you this morning, come to me and, 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 and let me teach you. Let me love on you. God's got his arms wide open this morning. He wants you to come where you can, he can love on you and, and, and grow you and mature you and make you in his image. Amen. Come to him this morning. Let's stand together. We're going to have a song of invitation. We urge you to come this morning and do business with God. If God spoke to your heart this morning, if he's drawing you into a closer relationship with him, come and do business with God. Come around this altar. There's plenty of room for you to come and pray. And my friend, if you're here this morning and you say, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior, I'm not saved. I don't know. I, I don't know what it means to be saved. I've never been saved.